begin this new sermon series entitled Animal Planet. When I was growing up, I would come to the dinner table. My mom would have a wonderful dinner. She was a great cook. And there, periodically, we would have broccoli and cauliflower and turnip greens and beets on the table. And I'd say, Mom, I don't really like those very much. And she always had the same answer because I didn't have really any options. But she said, you need to eat those because they're always, they're good for you. And so that was her explanation. It seemed to work well. So I finally grew a taste for them and actually liked those things now. You come to a message like today when you think about Isaiah chapter 40 and you hear words like weakness, you hear words like waiting, and we don't like those words in the Christian life to think, what does it mean I need to be weak or what does it mean to wait upon the Lord in some way? But the Lord says in his word, those words are actually good for us in the Christian life. Can you imagine that? So I want to begin this series today talking about animal planet, talking about eagles. As I think about that, I'm not talking about the elementary school I attended because I went to a school that our name was Eagles. I'm not talking about a rock band that was many, many years ago known as the Eagles. I'm talking about what God's Word says about eagles because eagles are an amazing animal and they have a significant place in God's Word. In fact, he said, they shall mount up with wings like eagles. Aren't you glad today he didn't say chickens? And um, aren't you glad to say he didn't say turkeys or peacocks? He said eagles, this majestic bird, could spread its wings to nine feet apart, able to sleep standing up. That's incredible right there within itself. But he said they shall mount up with wings like eagles. Not like chickens, but again, I, I don't think a chicken is safe in a Baptist gathering at all. Uh, because we love chickens. James and I were at the Ark Encounter recently, and we walked away from there kind of humorous, and we said, I'm not sure if, if Noah and his family would have been Baptists or not, because if they were Baptists, those chickens probably wouldn't have made it off the Ark, uh, because we love, we love chickens. But as you and I think about this text again, you should mount up with wings like eagles. Thank the Lord, not chickens. I like to eat chickens, but I don't want to hang around chickens. I want to fly and soar like eagles. As we think about this, and you see text here in Isaiah 40, how many of us identify with these words? How many of us today are faint in your walk with Christ? How many of you are weary in your walk with Christ? How many of you are exhausted in your walk with Christ? And that's why Isaiah 40 is so relevant to you and me when you think about wings like eagles. There are many people who are faint, who are weary, who are exhausted, but God has a word for us here in Isaiah 40. Now, on your outline, let me give you some words here. I want to give you these seven truths from today's text that I want you to see. not going to give a lot of attention to each one of these, but I want to make sure I explain the text well. Number one is a teachable spirit. He says, have you not known, have you not heard? I pray in your walk with Christ, you never lose a teachable spirit in your life. Get up every morning and say, God, what new insight do you have for me in my walk with you today? Remain teachable. Have you not heard? Have you not known? Please understand that. Number two is an everlasting God. The Lord is the everlasting God. He never ends. He is faithful always. The beginning and the end. He is the everlasting God. He's the one who created us day. Who's the one has given us life and breath? He is the everlasting God. Let's adore the everlasting God. Number three, a powerful Lord. He says in this passage, he is the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He is a powerful Lord. Nothing is impossible with our God. He can do all things. He's not limited. All strength is his. All power is his. Nothing is impossible with him. He is powerful. Number four, a generous father. 
The good news today, he is not stingy, but he is generous. And that's why he says he gives power to the faint and to him who has no might, he increases strength. He gives to you and me. The good news, he's given us grace. He's given us favor. He's given us a church family. But the good news, he's given us his only begotten son who lived a sinless life, died on Calvary's cross, buried in the tomb, raised on the third day. He is our Savior, Lord, best friend. He has given us the Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. He is a generous Father to you and me. And then number five is a troubled life. He says, even you shall faint and be weary and young men shall be exhausted. As you understand that, that's true of people of different ages in life. There are times we're faint. There are times we're weary. There are times we're exhausted. There are times we just live a troubled life that comes to every single one of us as we'll see. So that's true from Isaiah 40. Number six is a personal command. He says, for they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. That is a command to you and me that it is wise to wait upon God. Never get ahead of him, never lag behind him. Seek to stay in step with his timing and his leadership. It is wise. It's a personal command. You and I are to wait upon the Lord because he is the everlasting God. He's a generous father, and he knows your needs and my needs. And then number seven is a biblical promise. He says, they who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. And then he says this, as shall mount up with wings like eagles, you might the word, write the word there, soar. They shall soar like eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. There are times in the Christian life as we follow God's leadership that we are going to soar. There are other times that we're going to run, and then there are other times that we're going to walk. Depends on which season of life you're in. But I pray this morning that we walk out of here not like chickens, turkeys, or peacocks, but we walk away from this worship gathering soaring like eagles. Now, here's another interesting part of the message. So how, as you look at this, what keeps you and me from flying like eagles? And I'm going to walk through this. It's going to be very personal for us. But as I think about what keeps you and me from flying like eagles, what are some of those? Look at these words. Number one, unforgiveness. I want to ask you today in the room, those watching, is it easy or difficult for you to forgive another person? How many folks this morning would say, you know, when it comes to him, her, or them, I just can't seem to forgive? And then let me ask you this question. How many of you want God to treat you like you treat other people? As you and I think about the truth of Scripture, we all have sinned and come short of God's glory. We've all lived rebellious and been disobedient to him. But as Paul said to the believers in Ephesus, here's what he said. Just as you have been forgiven in Christ, you are to forgive other people. So I just want to challenge you, if you're going to walk out of this worship experience, either in person or online, and you're going to soar like an eagle, then you need to deal with a spirit of unforgiveness because there may be something or someone you need to release today and to say, in the name of Christ, because he has forgiven me, I forgive you in Jesus' name. And you set that person free, which is leading you to be free. So if you're going to soar like an eagle, you've got to have a spirit of forgiveness not unforgiveness. Again, treat other people the way God treats you and the way he treats me. We have been forgiven in Christ, not because of good works or anything we would do, but because Jesus went to a cross and gave his life and shed his blood. Because of Jesus, we are forgiven today. And so I just encourage you, if you're going to soar and fly like an eagle, deal with the spirit of unforgiveness. Word number two, friends. There are many people today not flying like an eagle because they're hanging around the wrong company. 
Uh, as an eagle, you're not to be in a chicken coop somewhere. You're to fly with other eagles. Doesn't mean we don't build relationships with people outside of Christ who are not living faithful to him. Don't mean that at all. But you need to make sure your closest intimate friends are people who know Christ and who walk with him. Here's why. Because the people we hang around with in life are going to build us up or tear us down. The people we hang around in life, they're going to draw us closer to Christ or away from him. And here's what I was able to see one time in another state. I was preaching revival, and the pastor wanted me to go to a family in the church to their farm. We'd go out to the farm. We'd see these animals. They had this large chicken coop, and I'm standing there looking at these chickens, and I think this chicken coop is great for the chickens, but an eagle would be out of place in this place. Eagles weren't made for the chicken coop. They were made to soar at great heights. And I just want to give you a word from 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 33. Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, says this, Do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good character. And so kids and students and anyone in this room, anyone watching, I just say make sure you choose your friends wisely. Here's why. Because they allow you to walk with chickens or soar like eagles. The people you choose who are in your life, make sure they're going to help you soar like an eagle in life. And there are some people not soaring because friends. Number three, immaturity. There are some folks who are not flying like eagles because they're immature in the faith. Here's what I mean. They don't know what God knows. They don't see what God sees. As a result of that, they're immature in the faith. A number of years ago, uh, I had another pastor myself. There was a church in the city where I was pastoring that was declining and dying. They were down to just a handful of people. And it was a church that the, the community around it was growing. I mean, houses were being built everywhere. It was a growing area. So we go down, make an appointment on a Friday afternoon to meet with this pastor because we want to come alongside him and say, we understand looking at the facility, improvements need to be made. I know that very few people are attending now. The community is growing wonderfully. And can we come alongside you? We're not trying to take you over or, or intrude on you in any way, but we just want to come alongside and partner with you for the kingdom, help you all refurbish your building, but all also maybe some teachers, singers, other aspects of ministry we can help you with as churches. We met with that pastor on a Friday afternoon, laid out a plan, was going to be very generous. Again, we're not trying to take you over. We just want to come alongside and see the Lord revitalize and turn this church around. Great days are ahead. He said, let me talk to the few people we've got. I'll be back in touch with you. And so about a week later, I get a phone call from this pastor. We go back and meet with him again. And he said, I appreciate meeting last week, the generosity that you are willing to come alongside and help us. But our group, we've had a conversation, and here's what we've decided. And we were sitting on the edge of our seats. What is this pastor going to say? And here's what he said. And I just quote his said. What are his words? He said, we talked about it, and here's where we are as a church. We had rather die than to receive help. That's immaturity. That's a prideful spirit. And sometimes immaturity is manifested in a prideful spirit. That was not of God. They didn't know what God was able to see, what God was able to see. And we were not trying to take it. We just wanted to help them be faithful to the kingdom of God. I just encourage you, make sure you have a teachable spirit so that you know what God knows, you see what God sees in your life. That way you can fly and soar like eagles. Number four is diet. As I go back to that chicken coop, 
If you know anything about chickens, they eat a lot of stuff. Uh, they eat dirt, they eat wood, uh, they eat corn, and, and I'm not, because lunch is not far, I'm not going to go into all that, but they eat other nasty stuff. That's the life of chickens. See, a, a, an eagle would not do that. An eagle is going to eat great food. Why? Because the, they, they eat fish, they eat a good diet, strong, strong birds of prey. So eagles have a great appetite and a great diet. I just want to encourage you, many of you are not flying like eagles because you are satisfied with spiritual junk food in your life. And I want to encourage you, if you're going to soar like an eagle and fly like an eagle, mount up with wings like eagles, your diet needs to be the milk of the Word of God and the meat of the Word of God. And I encourage you every day of your life, come before the everlasting God, the generous Father, and say to him, Lord, I have a teachable spirit. I need to drink milk and eat meat. Teach me why I want to make sure my diet is right so I can fly and soar like an eagle in the Christian life. Word number five is the word comfort. You and I need to be be careful because comfort can be our enemy in the Christian life. And comfort keeps many people from soaring and flying like eagles. I just encourage you to live by faith and not by sight and say, God, if you want to make me uncomfortable, if you want to get me out of my comfort zone, I'm willing to do that because I'm going to be obedient to you. Whatever you ask, I'm going to do. I don't want to settle for a comfortable life, casual life, nominal life. I want to live a radical life, be obedient to you. So make sure you're not allowing comfort to keep you from soaring and flying like an eagle. Those are some reasons why many people are not flying like an eagle, not mounting up with wings like eagles. Now, look at the next part. How do you and I know if we're flying like eagles? I want to give you these insights because this is going to help you and me understand, God, you don't want us to be like chickens or turkeys or peacocks. You want us to be like eagles. These majestic birds fly for hours upon hours. Beautiful to look at indeed. Amazing strength indeed. How do I know if I'm flying like an eagle? Number one, see God's activity. Here's what God did. He created eagles eagles with amazing eyesight. And you say, what kind of eyesight do they have? They can see a rabbit from two miles away. Imagine that. Maybe a fish or a rabbit. Miles away, that incredible eyesight. But here's the thing. How many of us are able to see God's activity? What is God doing around us? Do we see the activity and the movement of God in life? Let me give you some questions. Just start big, and we're going to narrow it down like a funnel. As you and I think this today, as you think about what God is doing, seeing his activity, what is God doing in the world? What is God doing in our nation? What is God doing in our state? What is God doing in our city? What is God doing in our church? And then what is Almighty God doing in your life? What do you see God doing? If you and I are going to fly like eagles, we need to see the activity of God. And here's how you see that. How do you see what God wants you to see? An eagle can see a rabbit two miles away, but how do you and I see what God is doing around us? Giving you three words here. Just want you to write these down. One is worship. When you and I worship God, we adore him and we're able to see what God is doing. Folks, worship is not routine. It's the heart of us who are believers. That we gather together for the purpose of adoring and exalting and loving Almighty God. So as we worship Him, we see what God is doing. Second word is 
is word. That is the word of God. As we look into the face of God's word, reading the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, we're able to see the face of God and see what God is doing around us and in and through us as well. Then the third word we don't like very much, but it's a good word because there's some just like those vegetables that my mom wanted me to eat. Sometimes we don't like these words. The third word is weaknesses. And we don't like that, but weaknesses help us see what God wants us to see. As you think in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul made this statement, For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecution, and calamities. And here's what he said, For when I am weak, then I am strong. I just want to encourage you, if you're going to soar like an eagle, and you're going to be able to fly like God wants, and you're going to see the activity of God, worship him, Be in the word and embrace your weaknesses. Don't run from your weaknesses. Embrace them because Paul, what an amazing servant of Jesus Christ, said what? When I am the weak, then I am strong. Embrace those things in your life. It will help you see the activity of God in your walk with him. Number two, survive violent storms. Do you think about eagles? God created eagles. Here's the incredible truth. He created eagles to fly into storms. He created eagles to fly above storms. Amazing strength and power. Again, not to fly away from storms, but to fly into them or above them. As you look at your life and you say, well, how will I know if I'm flying like an eagle? You're going to find yourself in a storm, and here's what's going to happen. You're going to be in the midst of that storm, and in that storm, you're trusting the everlasting God. You're in the midst of that storm, and you have peace that, that the world would never give you. It only comes from the person of Jesus Christ. You find yourself in that storm. Instead of growing weaker, he's making you stronger. You're growing in your relationship with God. When you find yourself in the storm, if you're flying like an eagle, you're trusting God, you have peace in him, and you're growing in your relationship with him. Storms do not destroy you. For most of us in this room, the greatest periods of our spiritual growth in the Christian life came not when everything was calm, but when the storm was raging. That's when we grew in our relationship with Christ. And so I just want to encourage you, as you think about your life, you think, well, I don't like storms. Well, God allows us to go through storms. Please understand, every person in this room, every person watching, you are going to face storms in life. You can love the Lord Jesus Christ with all of your heart in life and still be in a violent storm in life. So how do you know that? Well, look at Daniel chapter 3. Three Hebrew boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, did everything right in the eyes of God, stood with courage against the king. And what happened? They found themselves in the fiery furnace. But God never abandoned them in that furnace. He was with them. He is the everlasting God. He will be with you in the midst of your storm as well. But when I think about that truth, when I've been able to see people in pastoral ministry go through storms and even in my own life, here are two responses to storms that I see. First word is bitter. There are many people who go through storms and they become bitter in life, bitter with God and bitter with other people. And they look at it and they say, well, if God is loving and God is good and God is kind, then why would he allow me to go through this? Why did God allow me to get cancer? Why did God allow my marriage to end? Why did God allow my job to go away? And so they become bitter with God and bitter with other people. I encourage you, challenge you, appeal to you. If you're going through a storm, don't become bitter with God or even with other people. Second word is better. 
Here's what God desires. When eagles fly into those storms above them, they don't become bitter, they become better because, again, they're strong. When God allows us to go through storms, whatever the storm it may be, he wants us to come out on the other side better in relationship to him. And I've got good news. God allowed you to get up this morning and be in this sanctuary or watching online, and here's the good news. He is not finished with you yet. And please understand today, we've not sung our best song. We've not preached our best message. We've not taught our best lesson. The best of God is yet to come for you and me. Why? In the midst of storms, he wants us to become better, not bitter. How do you know if you're flying like an eagle? Well, you survive violent storms. Number three, you stay relationally loyal. When you think about eagles, God created eagles to be very loyal to one another. In fact, they mate for life. And you can study, and I'd give you some other insights about them, but probably wouldn't be appropriate for this hour. But when you think about eagles, they mate for life, extremely loyal to each other. And I just encourage you as you fly in your life and you soar like eagles, make sure you are loyal to the people around you whether it be in relationships, marriage, church, family. Make sure you're loyal to people around you. You're flying like an eagle when you stay relationally loyal to one another. Now, I do a lot of counseling with couples and weddings with couples, and I encourage couples that I meet with in premarital counseling, and I say to them this, I want you to have an incredible wedding day. But please understand, as a pastor, I want the wedding day to be great, but I want you to spend more time preparing for the marriage than for the wedding day. The wedding day is a couple of hours that will be done, but the marriage is for a lifetime. Make sure you spend more time preparing for your relationship together for life than just one single day. And then I give them these words and say, I just encourage you to challenge you to do these, do these five things in your relationship if you're going to stay relationally loyal to one another. And the first word is die. And that just means you're going to die daily. What does that mean? Like Paul said in Philippians 2, you put the needs of someone else before your own. You die to yourself and say, I'm going to meet your needs before my own. You die to yourself. Imagine what our relationships would be like in life if we got up every morning and looked at other people in our lives and say, I die to myself and I put you and your needs before me. Second word is date. I see this happen all the time in marriages where before they say I do, they're dating each other, having fun together, creating memories together. Then they say I do and they stop dating each other. Well, that that should never happen in relationships. Keep dating one another even after you say I do. Make sure you date each other on a weekly basis. The very thing that attracted you to one another, keep doing those things. Die to yourself, date each other on a weekly basis. Word number three is the word discuss. What I mean by that is you make sure you discuss monthly the finances of your relationship. Make sure you're on the same page financially. One may be more dominant than the other, but make sure you're on the same page financially. You know what's happening with your financial picture. One of the great divides in relationship is over money. Make sure you talk about that. Number four is the word depart. You find yourself getting away maybe once a quarter overnight for the day or whatever so that you can put down all the technology and electronics and all the obligations and you focus on your marriage, your relationship, just getting stronger, quality time together. You depart every quarter and do that. And then word number five is dream. You every, every year you come to a place and say, God, did we obey you this year? What do you want to do in our lives next year? If you're going to stay relationally loyal, die to yourself 
date each other, discuss where you are financially, get away with each other periodically, and then dream and do what God wants you to do. He'll give you vision and direction for your life and your relationships. Stay relationally loyal. Number four, soar soar above circumstances. Here's the interesting part of, of eagles. God created eagles to soar for hours without a single wing beat. I mean, again, nine feet across, flying through the sky, great heights, incredible strength without a single wing beat. Why? There's wind tunnels. They know how to get in wind tunnels, and when they get in those wind tunnels, they can allocate that, and they can just soar and soar and soar. That's the beauty and majesty of eagles. If you and I are going to soar above our circumstances, I think about the life of Job. I look at his life and look at all the things he lost and all the storms he went through. Here's one of the great lessons from the person of Job. He's always saw God first and his circumstances second. Many of us find ourselves in lives a wreck because we look at our circumstances first and then God after that. Make sure you always soar above your circumstances, not underneath them. See God first in your circumstances through your relationship with him. That's the story of Job. Two words here. One is led. As you think about this word here, if you and I are going to soar above our circumstances, we have to be led just as an eagle can fly for hours without a single wing beat. Why? Because the eagle gets in this wind tunnel and can just soar and soar and soar. If you and I are going to be faithful to God and faithful in the Christian life, we cannot do it in the flesh. We have to be led by the Holy Spirit to do that. And as your pastor, let me be transparent every Sunday morning for me. Before I ever come to this pulpit and share God's word with you, I literally get on my knees and on my face before God and just cry out to him to say, God, today I need recall, remembrance, and new insight. God, today I need liberty, freedom, and anointing from your Holy Spirit. I want to soar like an eagle when I open your word. Why? Because I want to be led by the Holy Spirit, not out of the flesh. Every single one of us should desire to be led by the Spirit of God. And the second word is, is live. You and I need to live again by faith, not by sight. Live by the power of the Holy Spirit. Do what you could never do on your own, but what God wants you to do, and he will allow you to do what is beyond anything you can ask, think, or imagine. That's how great the everlasting God is. Be led by his Spirit and live faithful to him. Number five. Sacrifice personal comfort. As you and I think about the work of eagles, let me give you this word from Deuteronomy chapter 32. Listen to what he says in Deuteronomy 32 verse 11. Like an eagle that stirs up its nest, that flutters over its young, spreading out its wings, catching them, bearing them on its pinions. That's an incredible word. What does that mean? Here's what eagles do. Eagles have babies. And those little eaglets are in a nest, and here's what an eagle will do. They'll create a very comfortable nest, an elaborate nest. They'll use wood and metal and other things as part of the nest, and then they'll use the fur of other animals to coat it and to cover it. And so those little eaglets are in the nest, and they're very comfortable because they're, they're resting on the fur of other animals. And then after a while, they know this, that those eagles know that the young, they need to learn how to fly. But they've got to sacrifice personal comfort. They can't stay in this nest like this forever because understand this, if an eagle doesn't fly, an eagle dies. 
That's why it's essential that somewhere you got to get out of the nest and you got to fly. And so what that mother or father eagle will do will start removing that animal fur. And then guess what happens? The comfort of that nest is not like it was before. It's very uncomfortable because now you're resting on a piece of wood or a piece of metal. And then there comes a point where that parent eagle is going to push that eaglet out of the nest. But here's how amazing this is. Eagles learn to fly by falling. And so that eaglet is fly, falling from the nest onto the ground and maybe trying to, trying to fly and can't do it. And here's what happens. The faithfulness of that mother or father will swoop down at amazing speed, spread out the wings, and catch that eaglet on the wing. That is the faithfulness of an eagle. And then they'll take it back up there and put it back in the nest again. After a while, I'm going to push the eaglet out of the nest because, again, the parent knows if that eagle doesn't fly, it's going to die. You're going to learn to fly by falling. And so after a while, you do this over and over again. Guess what? The, the little eaglet starts flapping its wings and all of a sudden takes off flying. That is the goal because of the faithfulness and the sacrifice comfort in that. There are many here watching her in the room. You feel like you're falling in life. But I've got good news. He is a faithful heavenly father. Greatest is faithfulness. And when you feel like you're falling and you're going to make it, guess what? He swoops down and catches you. Why? Because he is the everlasting father. He is a gracious God. He cares for you. His faithfulness is in your life. He is wonderfully pushing you out of your comfort zone so that you will walk faithful to him. So how does he do that? Two things in my life that he's used over and over again to do this. Number one, scriptures. As I spend time in God's word and looking into the face of God, there are scriptures that he uses by the Holy Spirit to convict me that makes me uncomfortable in the Christian life. The second word is saints. There are times he uses his people to speak into my life and, and to say, don't be comfortable, be uncomfortable. Be uncomfortable, but be obedient to him. Because again, out of flesh, you would never do that. But out of spirit, he wants you to obey. And so it's God's word, or maybe it's somebody who's a believer that's challenged you to take your walk, your life, your leadership with him to another level. Allow God to move you out of your comfort zone. That's not easy. Uh, that's not attractive from a world standpoint. But it's obedient to him. There are times the word of God should step on our toes. There are times that God's people should challenge us to give up everything and follow him, even our very comfort in life, and that we would obey him. So I want to ask you, are you flying like an eagle in your life? Are you soaring like an eagle in your life? So he didn't want you to walk with chickens or turkeys or peacocks. He wants you to soar with wings like eagles. I want to ask you in the room and those who are watching, if you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, the only way you're going to soar like an eagle is surrender your life to him. Jesus Christ is Savior and Lord of life. only way you're going to fly and soar like an eagle is you obey him. If you've never given your life to Christ or you've, you know Christ but you've never been biblically baptized, you need to take that step if you're going to soar like an eagle. Obey him. Joining the church family and fellowship. We need God's people in life who would challenge us and walk with us and encourage us, even help us get outside of our comfort zones. If you need to join the fellowship of the church, obey the leadership of Christ. And then I want to come back to a statement I made earlier. Something or someone 
Who do you need to forgive in your life today? And to say, I want to treat other people the way God treats me. And he has forgiven me, so because he's forgiven me, I need to forgive someone else. Who do you need to do that to in your life? Maybe you can see the face, you know the name, you know the circumstance. And if you're going to soar like an eagle, you need to practice forgiveness. I want us to bow our heads together. And in the room, we're going to invite you to respond publicly. Eagles fly in a public way. We're encouraging you to make decisions in a public way because when you obey the leadership of God, it touches the hearts of other people. But for those who are watching online, we want to encourage you. You can comment to us. You can email us at the address you see on the screen because we would come, love to come alongside you and help you soar like an eagle in your life as well. And make sure you look at your life and say, God, I'm soaring like an eagle. And I have this blessed assurance that can only come from you as the everlasting Father. So this invitation is for anyone in the room, anyone who's watching you would surrender you would obey you would trust you would say God I'm willing to get outside of my comfort zone and that means walking down an aisle or that means responding to an email address or making a comment it's not comfortable but God you're asking me to be uncomfortable but I'm relying on your faithfulness and your assurance because you're not going to let me fall you're going to be faithful to me because you're strengthening me so I can soar like an eagle. So, Father, in the name of our wonderful Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, I pray today that salvation decisions we made, I pray for baptism decisions, I pray for church membership decisions, and, God, I pray for Christian life decisions. It would be wonderful for people to walk out of this sanctuary or log off online and say, today, because of the grace and the assurance of God, I am soaring like an eagle. And only God could do that. And so, fathers, we reflect on blessed assurance. We come to you today. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And it's in your name I pray. Amen.